Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everybody and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I am your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by the usual two. First up, all the way down in Australia, we've got Vito Doria returning to the pod. Vito, hello. Hello, Connor. I'm feeling good. Um, mind you, in my house, it's feeling quite full. As um, yeah, I've actually got my sister over at the moment, and she's brought her two dogs. So maybe we'll have a couple extra guests. By accident. Dogs are always welcome on the FIF pod. Any, any domestic animal, I would extend that invitation to. Uh, speaking of domestic animals, sometimes they just ride themselves. We've got Kev Pugzowski on the pod. Kev, hello, mate. Oh, hi, Carl. I thought for a moment you were referring to my wife. <laughs> as uh, I, I don't have any animals in the house. Uh, Stace is lovely. Stace very much has an animal in the house. She does. Girl. How are you, Kev? How are you feeling? Obviously, you were you were on the bend from about of coronavirus lately. Is is everything good now? Yeah, I'm all good. Well, it's fantastic. I see you went for a was it a cycle or a run? You went for this week. Oh, I can't run anymore. Three broken ankles uh, means it's bike all the way, and it was twenty minute cycle to uh, drop some birthday presents off that I couldn't deliver while I was off with COVID. I feel like we've gone off on tangents at the beginning of a few recent pods, but you've broken your ankle three times. Yeah, which brought an end to my football career at any decent level at the age of 24. It was just uh, three years in a row. We're talking about the same ankle. Same ankle. The last one was a, um, a dislocation fracture in eight places, as well as breaking the tibia and the fibia and uh, snapping the ligament, yeah. That's not sound enjoyable, but anyway, um, we have to do some injury talk about actual footballers this evening as well, because the big man went off injured. Zlatan Ibrahimovic 
after inspiring AC Milan to their first win at the Stadio San Paolo in 10 years. When he was last playing for the club, coincidentally, he scored twice on Sunday evening to put them 2-0 ahead. Dries Mertens pulled one back before Timo Bakayoko got sent off and their chances kind of faded. Milan won 3-1 in the end. And Vito, we can't talk about anyone other than Zlatan Ibrahimovic to start the podcast again. No. Well, he scored those two goals and... uh... He had put the ball in the back of the net for a third time, but unfortunately that was disallowed for offside. So even with that, he's shown that once again, he knows how to get into the right positions and uh, the quality of the finishing uh, has been superb. Uh, As the old saying goes, form is temporary, class is permanent, and uh, he still managed to have the form at 39. And... He's demonstrated once again. He's still got the class. He's got that finishing touch. And uh, thanks to this victory, uh, Milan have uh, gone back on top after Sassuolo had uh, taken first place for some time. Yeah, Kev. I mean, Ibrahimovic returned to Milan in in the winter transfer window. And in 2019-20, he played 18 games, scored 10 goals and assisted five, which you'd think is quite a good record. But then this season, in six games, he's already scored 10 goals and he's got an assist. He's a freak. Yeah, he is. And for want of us just repeating things and listeners thinking they're, they're hearing uh, you know, a podcast from previous weeks, and we'll probably continue to run out of superlatives for him if Milan carry on this form for the rest of the season, largely dragged on by uh, Ibrahimovic. Um, I know we'll, we'll we'll get on to how well they started as a team and you know sitting top unbeaten, but I you know previously I'd said that they're a group of maybe Europa League players that previous managers should have been getting more of a collective unit out of, and they seem to have found that at the moment. But as I sat there watching this evening, I still I I sort of I start questioning whether they are. As individuals, probably Ibrahimovic aside, so he's probably the standout, maybe Donnarumma and Romagnoli, are they the worst collection of players if they went on and won the league? And I, 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 don't, I don't say that they're, they're terrible as, you know, they're, they're terrible players as such, but it's more, do any of those players, and I mean walk into another side? And, and actually, then I, then I think back to last season when we had our end-of-season pod pod and we we spoke about our team in the season and it was quite a it was quite a mix you know I don't I can't recall there being more than two players from any one side getting into the the FIF team of the season I think it's because we've got quite a lot of level you know teams of level similar quality and and I just look at Milan I think well no probably they they would you would go oh you know you'd be weighing up who's better in certain positions of some of this and sort of starting 11 for, for Milan but whether any of them stand out and walk into even any other side in Europe. It just, I don't know, it just, it, it's one of these things because they're doing so well at the moment. It, I, I sort of sit there and I, I just, I think, how or why? And there's nothing obvious that jumps out of it beyond Ibrahimovic. I know I've gone off on a tangent after we started on that point. Well, you could say, right, it, Romagnoli's not been his best this year, but on his best days, Romagnoli probably gets into most Serie A sides, uh, most of the top Serie A sides. He gets into 15 of them hands down. Donnarumma as well. 
Teo Hernandez, probably with the exception of Robin Gossens at Atalanta, is the outstanding left wing back in Serie A. Um, Ibrahimovic and, when he fancies it, Kessie. They'd, they'd get into most sides in Serie A, no? No, they would. That's what I mean. But we, we instantly, when you brought up Teo, you brought up Gosens. So there is a comparative player. Whereas previous years, you think a lot of a lot of total winning sides, you know, even you know, Juventus have dominated for some time now. There are two or three standouts that you think, well, they are above or beyond anybody else in their position. And at the moment, we just, I, I doesn't feel like we've got that in Syria. Vito, what's wrong with him? Why can't he just give Milan their moment in the sun? <laughs> oh, look, I don't know. I think we've just become, uh, I don't know, tolerant of uh, or accepting of Milan having this sort of mediocrity for such a long time. And then now to see them on top, it probably would seem strange to a lot of people solely based that they don't have the glittering superstars of the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. Uh, if we look back on those glorious teams that dominated Serie A and, and the Champions League, they didn't have any glaring weaknesses. They were strong all over. This team, probably on paper, um, might not even be at the same level as the team that last won the Scudetto for Milan back in 2010-2011 when Ibrahimovic was in that team. So there are some comparisons there. At the end of the day, though, regardless of how the team looks on paper, ultimately it's what's on grass that matters. And the sitting on top, uh, we, we can uh, go on about Ibrahimovic because he has been so outstanding. But uh, when you have the other players performing their roles and playing their part for the team, ultimately that's what truly matters to the coach and to the team and to fans. The thing is, I think you're I think you're assuming that what I'm saying is a negative on the Milan side. Where actually I see it as a positive. Because for years, and, and not just Milan, clubs have gone out and overspent on either big names or players that were perceived to be superstars, expecting two or three of those players to drag the team forward. This is this is really as a positive for sticking with so many of those players that you might have tossed aside after you've made the investment in them. Maybe they've been forced to because of financial um, sort of limitations. And I think it's a real positive that you can't see, you know, they, they haven't gone and assembled a squad of world beaters. They've not gone and overpaid for some, some big names and that's, that, that's not worked or, you know, then got more in. I think, I, think it's, I think it's refreshing that you've got a squad and, you know, or a team that, uh, greater than the sum of their parts, as you would put, you know, as you see them on paper. And but it looks like something that's not a flash in the pan. Not that it's like a one-season wonder. We're not seeing it come together at the end of the season. This has gone on from the start of this calendar year, probably or lockdown. And looks like the team will grow together, and maybe this could last two or three seasons. I suppose a little bit, like we have seen with Atalanta, but it's more noticeable where they've not had, you've not, they've not got that historic success, and they're not having to live up to those those historical sort of total teams, you know, instantly as soon as Milan start putting a challenge in this year, we start comparing them to 2010-11. Uh, you know, so so we we praise Atalanta for having a collective unit or, you know, anybody else as well. We'll talk about them later. 
but we, we don't do with the bigger size, you know, the traditional powers in Italian football, because we, we've always got that comparative figure to sort of hammer them down for, you know, if, if they've not got a Maldini because they've got Hernandez or, you know, whoever else you want to pull out of any of those great sides. Is this something that we've seen across Europe recently, though? I know we've gone down a tangent for the second time in 10 minutes, but if you look at most of the so-called elite European sides, if you pick them apart player by player, they don't have quite as many superstars as, say, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus would have had for a majority of the last decade. If you look at the any of the top teams, really, Juventus' current side, even Manchester City's current side, which cost them, I think it's the most <laughs> expensively assembled club side of all time. And you look at their 11 now, and not everyone in it is head and shoulders above the competition. Um, I don't know if it's just something that's happening across the board, but yeah, I take your point, Kev. Um, thank you for clarifying as well. I did think that you were just trying to get me on Twitter on our backs again, but I'm glad that you did clarify. We're going to talk about Ibrahimovic now, and I want to bring your attention to something that Alistair McKenzie tweeted, which is maybe something you've both seen already, which he said, it'd be nice if the narrative around Zlatan at least started to move from how old he is to how good he is. He's not just managing to score goals. He's a top scorer in Serie A. And if he continues like this, the machine gun reminders that he's 39 might get a bit tedious. However, is that not why it's remarkable, Vito? Because he is this good and he's 39 years old. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, pretty much why it stands out so much. Uh, you know, not any ordinary 39-year-old can uh, go to any of Europe's major leagues, not just Serie A, and do what Zlatan has been doing. Uh, historically, Italian football clubs and coaches do have a preference for experienced players over younger ones. And look, uh, I think if Italian coaches could pick a 39-year-old for the sake of picking a 39-year-old, they do it. Uh, in Zlatan's case, uh, this is a player who's probably once in a generation or maybe even once in a lifetime. And uh, to do what he's doing, to be in the condition that he has been, uh, that's uh, nothing short of remarkable. So it can be repetitive when we do continuously talk about his age. But um, as I'll reiterate, no other... 39-year-old can do what he has done. And if we want to bring up historical references, we can talk about, say, when Cameroon went to the 1990 World Cup in Italy and Roger Miller scored four goals as they went to the quarterfinals. And the emphasis was on him being 38. That was kind of the point. A 38-year-old taking a then-unknown country to the quarterfinals of the World Cup was something extraordinary. And uh, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but those are two situations in which a veteran player has done something out of the ordinary so because you'd expect this from someone in the mid to late 20s not someone who should be on the brink of retirement or should be retired already i think it just adds uh, value to the story and uh, makes the circumstances sound a lot more remarkable i think you're right and kevin i'm gonna put something to you right everybody's been focusing on poor robert Lewandowski this year because the ballon d'or has been cancelled but had it not been, Zlatan should be up there. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would get some some votes. Um, 
I think you could probably, if it's a direct comparison, you would argue of what Lewandowski did as Bayern went all the way in the Champions League, which is the, you know, the top of, of elite level football. And you probably argue that Ibrahimovic had, had fewer games, um, certainly at the start of this, this calendar year. But yeah, he, he's up there. And I think, although people do dwell on his age, this is probably first time we've seen someone of Ibrahimovic's talent carry on this this late into his their, their career you know and at, and at this level because you get either a co- combination of factors where a, a player like this often suffers so many injuries that they can't carry on at this this age they've maybe won so much then they decide to finish their career you know like we thought he was going to do when he went off to MLS you know and have a, have a few light years in MLS and, and you know do the marketing thing and and everything else so they you know so they're out of the limelight whereas this is probably the first time we've seen someone who is probably in the top 10 to 20 players of his generation uh, or you know his peak years whatever however you want to clarify those time periods that is still going at 39 because I could with the length of time that players go on now I could potentially see Cristiano doing something similar playing at, at this level um, because he doesn't you know although there's always been a lot of talk around him going and, and doing the MLS thing because of the, the marketing opportunities. I think he would sort of maybe even look upon Ibrahimovic as someone that he'd want to follow at playing until his, his 40s at an elite elite level. Have we almost talk, fallen... Talked, talked enough about Milan and Zlatan, probably. No, so I'm going to continue the Zlatan narrative because I'm trying to avoid some of the other games from this weekend, but have we almost fallen into something of a trap in that most of the time when Ibrahimovic's career has been discussed, a lot of the time by people who kind of dictate the English-speaking narrative, meaning a lot of the journalists would have been based in around England and the Premier League, where they didn't see him play in the flesh for so long. So Zlatan was this caricature figure that he portrays himself to be, but he has been bloody brilliant throughout his career. And... Now, it's, it's almost like, Vito, that he's 39 and we're thinking, oh, he's coming to the end. We need to milk it for, for everything we can get it for. So let's, let's just enjoy his brilliance while we can. It does feel that way, that we certainly have to just make the most of it. But, uh, yeah, it does feel that way, as you were saying, that uh, for especially those who had not followed him during... Uh, uh, his 20s, um, you know, they missed out on uh, what kind of a player he was because especially when he was at Inter, he was a uh, reason for the domestic dominance in the mid to late 2000s. He was uh, not just a prolific goal scorer, but a score of outrageous goals too. And uh, then he had his first spell at AC Milan, uh, then Paris Saint-Germain purchased him for a lot of money and he won a lot of... Uh, domestic trophies in France as well. So um, he's got the CV that's impressive, scored a lot of goals and scored a lot of spectacular ones too. So I think um, those who are realising him now, they have missed out on a lot because uh, uh, the only black marks for me would have been his spell at Juventus, especially his second season 
And then his spell at Barcelona might have been a little bit underwhelming, but he doesn't speak too glowingly about that spell. So um, I think with Zlatan, there's probably more positive than negative to see if you analyse his entire career. Yeah, we can probably only speak about the, um, you know, the English language media, but it, it feels almost as though when he was starring in Syria, it was when um, the league wasn't poorer, but it was probably experienced its, it, where it was a less of a spotlight was shining on it because it was at a time when the Premier League were investing heavily with you know, stars from across Europe, but also La Liga was on a bit of a resurgence. And then he chose to go to Paris Saint-Germain, where the, the French, French league has, has never really been that well um, sort of picked up by multiple broadcasters in other countries. And a lot of people chose to toss away what PSG were doing because of the money there. I'm going to look at their next three fixtures. Um, Fiorentina at home, Sampdoria away, Parma at home. Then actually, even after that, they've got Genoa away before they face two big games before Christmas, Sassuolo away and then me or and then Lazio. They're gonna to be top at Christmas, lads. They really are, but let's put a pin in that and we will move on to second place, Sassuolo. Vito, they they did it again. They went away to Verona. Not an easy place to go, even your side are obviously quite a solid team. But Jeremy Boga's back and Domenico Berardi added to Boga's goal and it was 2-0 for Sassuolo and they're still there. Yeah, they're still still hanging near the top um, and uh, still performing in their own way, playing their style of football. So uh, that's great to see. Uh, Hellas Verona had their chances to score too. So, uh, you know, th- there might have been a bit of a fright early on, but... Uh, I think when you have players like Boga and Berardi who can score the goals they did, especially Boga's goal, that was a sensational strike. Just a bit of a delicate lob, well-placed, so really eye-catching. And, uh, yeah, so Swallow, when you have those players there and they're playing at their best, um, I think it shows why they're at the top or close to it. Uh, they really are a team that's really believed in their methods. And uh, I think we're really seeing them get some reward for it. You say sensational, um, Vito. But I yeah. think I've seen that Boga goal four or five times over the last couple of seasons. So I think we now need to officially refer to it as the trademark Boga goal. <laughs> so, yeah, just, just, just to put that in there. Every time, cuts in from the right, loops it up. The goalie sort of doesn't even bother because he knows he's going to loop down after his, sort of, his, his extended reach. And uh, now officially the, the, the Boga trademark strike. All right, there we go. Very the Boga cool. special. There we go. Um, Kev, I'm going to put some more numbers to you. Mm. Um, Sky Sport Italia have basically put the curse on Sassuolo because they've done what you cannot do and started comparing them to uh, a recent fairy tale story in the shape of Leicester City's 26, 2016 Premier League title win. Um, so at this same stage that season, Leicester were fourth, Sassuolo were second. Leicester had 15 points, Sassuolo have 18. Leicester were three points off top, Sassuolo are two points off top. Leicester had won four, Sassuolo have won five. You see how this is going, Kev? Yeah. The, uh... 
it's the only comparison I would probably make was Leicester, like a bit like Sassuolo, scored um, a lot of goals and conceded a few at the start of that campaign. Um, well, so I remember Kev, the... I actually have the numbers. At this point, Sassuolo have scored 20 goals, Leicester had 17. Sassuolo have conceded nine, Leicester had conceded 15. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Leicester really tightened up because I think they, they, they clinched the league after winning like four games, one nil in a row, which I don't see Sassuolo doing if history is anything to go by. Um, so I think that's where the comparison can uh, can end. I don't know what you're talking about, Kev. I mean, they, they didn't concede in this game. They didn't concede in their last game and they didn't concede in their game before that. In the last three games, they've kept three clean sheets and they've won two, one of those being at the Bentagodi, the other being at the Stadio San Paolo. They're on it. There you go. That's where um, your mind plays tricks on you without the numbers in front of you. And thank oh, you for making me look stupid. <laughs> oh, because before that, they conceded three to Torino and three to Bologna. So you've got to... Oh, if, yeah, if you can concede three to Torino, um, if Torino might have scored three this weekend, they might have won, but... Um, can we seriously speculate about Sassuolo? What what can they actually do? In 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 this seat, well, I, again, I, I probably I keep using this as a bit of a <laughs> an, an excuse at times, but I, I do think it's going to be a strange season. But um, you just look at what Atlanta have done, you know. And as I was saying earlier about the the fact that there is is slightly more of a, a level off. Uh, across the teams at the moment in, in, it feels like that that they could potentially even qualify Champions League but I think that would be as far as it would go I think they would drop but keep themselves you know there or thereabouts and maybe sneak forth but that would be about as far as I'd go with a prediction for them this season um, Sorry you answered incorrectly can they win the league? No Kev can they win the league? <laughs> yes Connor there we go. Sassuolo are going to win the Scudetto this season. Vito, can Sassuolo win the league? They can. There we and go. that's the key so, word. There no, no, no. Stop it right there. You said, you've both said it. We're all saying Sassuolo are winning the league this season. I just want it on record. And it should be said that Chicha Caputo wasn't even there. So when he gets back, they're going to be scoring so many goals that they don't need to worry about how many they're conceding another team who are to i think it's fair to say everybody's surprise right up there this season are roma they they beat parma three nil but i mean vito it could have been a so many more oh certainly um they scored the three goals in the first half. That was more than uh, what was needed, but they could have had five or six without even uh, blinking. They just looked so lethal in their attacking movements, and uh, Parma showed that they really had no answer for them at all. Uh, uh, the goals, they were all interesting in their own way. Um, I think my, yeah, it was uh, Borja Mayoral. He scored the first goal from a pretty tight angle and uh, you know you're having a good game when uh, Rick Karsdorp is setting up one of your goals because he crossed for Mkhitaryan for the third but I'll go back to his second that was a sensational goal by Mkhitaryan that was a fantastic strike uh, uh, probably should be goal of the round or at least up there 
close to it. I mean, fabulous strike on his part. And he's having a purple patch of his own. And uh, that really was the icing on the cake. Oh, Vito, what have you got against Rick Karstorp? Well, he's been injury prone. So, uh, you know, he really hasn't <laughs> been able to fill up, uh, fill his uh, potential. And he's been on the books for, well, three years now. So uh, it's not really a question of his ability, but more his availability. So, and the right wing back role probably hasn't had a real standout for quite a long time. Um, they haven't really had a settled player for for years. So you'd probably go, you know, to the early, late 90s, early 2000s with Carpool. And then throughout the 2000s, there was an evergreen Christian Panucci that was there. Marco Cassetti um, was a solid performer for them. But since then, there's been the Florenzi experiment and several others who come and go. So, uh, unfortunately for Karsdorp, he's probably been one of those guys who's never really been able to get a continued run at Roma because his body's been so brittle. On the opposite side, Leonardo Spinazzola played quite well, it's fair to say, and his, his pass for Borca Mayoral's goal was delightful. I was shocked, actually, when I saw the replay back to see that it was him and not Pedro or Mkhitaryan. But, Kev, I know that... Henrik Mkhitaryan is your favourite player, of course. You you don't get him mixed up with anybody or his family mixed up with anybody, of course. But he's been he's been phenomenal lately, either side of the international break for Roma and probably deserving of the November Player of the Month award. Uh, yes, probably. <laughs> I was I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember whether the uh, the international break could come at the end of one month and into the next. But yeah, he scored uh, six in six in three games. Um, last pod we had after his hat trick against whoever that was. Whoever that was. Uh, you know, I was saying that across <laughs> his career, he's always been a wonderful talent, but just a tad inconsistent. Um, so it just worries me slightly that you know we'll he'll drop off the radar again for two or three games and then maybe pop up mid-december uh, and then we'll go off into a you know in a, in a break for the festive period but certainly deserving to be in um with a shout of the november uh player of the month for I, awards which we don't do on on our site <laughs> so, but no we don't we don't um but no just the the sorry i when i was referring to as we were struggling to remember who nikotarian scored that hat trick against i could see Vito itching to point out who it was so i thought always oh, it was probably genoa <laughs> and then i checked and sure enough the hat trick came against the griff on it so Vito, I, I just thought i'd i'd get that in there because i know you wouldn't let me live it down if i didn't manage to say that but Vito, I do have to go to you for a serious point, which is that Roma are unbeaten. The, the table shows that they've lost the game, but obviously that's because they were being punished for forgetting the Avada's birthday. They haven't lost the game this season. No, and uh, I must admit, I'm probably one of those people that have been surprised by this. Um, I do feel that uh, in re- not so much recent years, but probably throughout the history, Roma are a team that are exceptional on their day, but they can have a fair share of very off days where they do embarrass themselves. But so far, this has been an incredible start. Um, and without Nicola Zagnolo as well, which makes it more remarkable, Jekko's had COVID. So 
when you have Mkhitaryan, um, Pedro there, I think uh, they've made a world of difference. And uh, Borja Mayoral is starting to slowly adapt to the team, which is great for Fonseca. And uh, look, uh, I'm sure I've mentioned this in the previous pods, but I think the formation change has been a big plus for Fonseca. He was playing with the 4-2-3-1 formation when he arrived at Roma last season. Uh, towards the end of last season and continuing on to this one, he's gone with a 3-4-2-1. The team looks more balanced and uh, they're obtaining a lot more results both in Italy and in Europe with it. So a question to you guys, Roma going unbeaten, does that lessen Milan going unbeaten or... Do you know what? I think uh, it does. I, I don't think because Roma have done it lessens it. But you look at the table, Roma are unbeaten, Juve are unbeaten, and we keep speaking about how bad they are. And Sassuolo are all, all so <laughs> I couldn't say that word, unbeaten. There are four unbeaten teams. We're just eight games in. But it, it might lessen what Milan are doing this season. But as I said on Twitter, I mean, Milan have been doing it since January. I think they've lost, what, once domestically since then. They their form goes back further than just September. But stop trying to get us to talk down on, on the Rossoneri. We like them, Kev. It's just you that has it in for them. So everyone on <laughs> Milan Twitter who hates me, just at rabbit rabbit on, direct the tweets at him in the future. But um, <laughs> we're finished talking about Roma. Oh, no, we're not. Um, Kev, can Roma win the league? Oh, yes, they can. No, they can't, Kev, because Sassuolo are winning the league. Come on, you need to oh, keep up. Of course. Uh, Vito, can Romo win the league? No. Exactly, right. Vito listens. He's a good guy. Um, Focus next... on the Europa League, Romo, please. Do that instead. Get Totti out of retirement in February, and then it will all go terribly, terribly wrong. Um, <laughs> next in the Serie A table, we've got little old Juve, who played... Who did they play? It says they played Lazio. They didn't. They played Cagliari and they beat them 2-0 quite comprehensively for a 2-0 scoreline. And the two goals were scored by who other than Cristiano Ronaldo in a four-minute window just before halftime. Vito, not much to report from this other than Juve looked quite good. Yeah, not, um, yeah, not too much to really dissect or analyse as such. Um, Ronaldo coming up with that brace. There were two fine finishes, especially the first one. I really liked that one. Probably a little bit similar to Boga's goal, but just without that dip that Boga puts on it. But a fabulous strike in its own way. And um, I think um, there are a few players that had started off well or had really bad spells early on this season. The, they performed a bit better, like uh, Artur. He had a better game in midfield than usual. He was able to control things from deep. And uh, Federico Bernardeschi, although he wasn't uh, directly involved in the goals, but uh, I think his uh, performance has improved, especially after having some good performances uh, with Italy during the international break. I never thought we'd say something good about Bernadeschi on this podcast again, to be honest. But no, you're right. Um, still not. I'm, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to say anything good about him. I'm trying to, <laughs> but my mouth will not allow the words to pass my lips. Kev, are you as impressed as I am with how 
Dejan Kulusevski seems to be Cristiano Ronaldo's only friend on the pitch in that Cristiano Ronaldo, when he has the ball, only looks for Kulusevski to pass it to. And that speaks very, very highly of how good he is. Yeah, I, I saw the highlights of this because I've been so sort of bored, I suppose, for want of a better expression, um, watching Juve the first few weeks that I decided to sort of skip this one. Um, but, but even before today, and even excluding Ronaldo, considering how young Kulisevsky is and that this is him going into his first year at Juve, any time you watch him, the amount that he gets the ball, the amount that the players seem to look for him, uh, comfortable giving him in, giving him the, can't get that out, uh, <laughs> giving him the ball. I think that is testament to to just how talent, how big a talent he could be, and how important a role he is already playing at, at, at Juve. I think I think you're right, except for one thing: how big a talent he is, because. I've no doubts. I don't think it's potential. I do think it is pure talent, really. And what you're saying about the players look happy to give him the ball in any position as well. If he's back in his own half and there's three players around him, his teammates will give him the ball because they know he can get through it. He's such a talented player and I miss him so, so much from from the Tardini every other week and being able to watch him was very, very pleasant. What was um, what was interesting, considering I didn't watch the game, but I saw a bit of the um, s- sort of I was going to call it a storm. It wasn't a storm, just the wave of people, you know, saying, "Oh, Juve are back," and it was the first time that they looked, you know, a little bit more cohesive under under Pirlo. And and going into the international break, I was I was reading something, um, you know, an article that was saying about although Juve have retained similar kind of possession stats to what they've had in the last two or three seasons. Um, the If you split the, the pitch into the defensive third, the middle third and the attacking third, their possession has swung really drastically from the last three years, I think by about 15 to 18% in that attacking third. And it's not even dis, dis, distributed between the other two thirds, it's in the final third. So mm. in the first seven games, they've been sort of not necessarily ponderous, but holding the ball at the back. And it certainly felt that something's been off. And maybe that's that's what it is. They haven't seemed to be getting more chance, as many chances. I think it's not as crude as saying that if you're not in the attacking third, you're not going to score as many goals. But it they, 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 they align themselves to the fact that maybe you're not winning the ball back enough in the, in the final third. Uh, you're not pushing yourself high enough up the pitch. So... It'd be interesting maybe next game out if I watch them in full, if there's there's been that change from what I felt has been a pretty sort of passive um, and sort of disjointed Juve at the start of the season. Do you think, um, or what do you think that comes down to, that shift? Uh, You could um, make an assumption that it's Pirlo trying to introduce a different sort of playing style. He didn't certainly play at the back when he was uh, on the pitch. Uh, you know, controlled the ball from midfield. But for, so it, it, I don't know. It's, it's whether they're not moving as high up the pitch to make to make those mistakes where they've got cover. Um, yeah, don't know. 
Okay, sorry. It could be, it, yeah, it could be the amount of it could be the amount of players they've brought in, then trying to sort of they're a little bit more cautious. We've also they, we've seen that they've blooded a few youngsters this year. Um, I'm thinking of the game against Crotone where they they clearly were resting players, um, and you had the likes of uh, Fran Botta, and maybe there, you know, just sitting a little bit further back than you maybe the likes of Quadrado, who just you know with that experience is just happy and confident and just bombs on. And he will constantly be seen, regardless of being either a fullback or a wingback, often alongside the attacker, the attacking players. Vitor, are there ghosts in your room? No, why? You see dead people. No. <laughs> Maybe it's the lighting, I don't know. <laughs> All right, the never mind. Um, Vito, Inter came from 2 0 down to beat Torino 4. Two, and I mean it was quite a chaotic game, but not one that they would have wanted to have just before taking on Real Madrid in the Champions League on Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, well, yeah, it was quite incredible that they managed to win this game because they were two 0 down to Torino, and Torino they've been uh, very poor this season. Surprisingly, Simone Zaza, out of all people, scored a lovely goal. That was a uh, excellent strike, but uh, Romelu Lukaku, he he rescued Inter again. So this is the kind of spirit that they need. And uh, also it's important for a player like Lukaku to help turn a game around for the Ros- uh, Nerazzurri uh, because uh, he's yeah he's really just uh, gone up a level since uh, coming to Inter. Kev, why are Torino dreadful? Um, uh, maybe I should reword that and say... Why are Torino okay until they're leading and then they become dreadful? Because they've already dropped 14 points from winning positions this season in eight games. They've got five points and they've dropped 14 from winning positions. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw that tweet today, actually. But, and I hope was a, wasn't aware of it. But um, they... they, they... Both sides were slightly poor in in the first in the first half, but um, Torino got their goal, and then Inter didn't look like they were going to get back into it. They got a a fair but fortunate penalty and went two 0 up and just kind of fell to pieces. And they just don't seem to have that ability to find the balance between sitting back and defending and seeing it out. Or actually going and sort of finishing the game off, which you probably think they want the uh, the latter. <laughs> Sorry, the former. Um, You're right. Well, yeah. Sorry, I've got your comments coming up <laughs> on the screen, and I'm looking into the distance and then seeing things come up, and I've got no idea. Uh, what is going on about dead people? You were testing your professionalism, and you failed the test clearly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but on a, on a serious note, Conte wasn't too happy after this, even though he pretended to be. And his words, it was one of those cases where he kept saying, oh, I'm happy with the comeback, but then basically saying things that suggested that he wasn't very happy. And uh, Lukaku said afterwards that Inter aren't yet a great team. And Conte said, yeah, I agree with, with Big Rom, because we're not a great team. We need to be... We need to have the will to make teams work and all of this. And that just, 
Oh, I don't know, because I don't know if you saw, apparently Beppe Morata has said that when asked about Christian Eriksen's future, we won't keep players who ask to leave. Um, and Conte has basically just driven Eriksen out of the club. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Pretty much so. I mean, he's never really fitted into uh, Conte's way of playing. Um, I would have liked to have seen him being incorporated into the team a bit more, but I think he hasn't utilised his time either. So at this stage, it's probably best that both parties cut their losses. Um, they bring uh, Inter brings in a player that would be better suited to the way Conte wants to play, even though they've already brought in several players during the summer. And Ericsson would be better off going to a club that can really utilise his uh, creative skills in the midfield or in between the lines. I think, uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're kind of blaming or largely blaming Inter for this situation with Ericsson. But I think if you believe a lot of what you read um, after the, the Champions League final in 2019, Ericsson was ready to leave Tottenham. Uh, there were rumours that he sort of packed up his house and was kind of close to a move to Spain. So, if you know, even if that element is correct, he didn't want to go to Inter, ended up staying at, at Tottenham for another six months. So it, it, it's never really looked like he's been there and fully committed uh, to playing at Inter. Well, yeah, I might be doing him, him a great disservice. But it didn't look it didn't look a great move on all parties uh, sides really. He was sort of playing to get away from Tottenham. Inter were trying to play hard hardball with with them. Then Tottenham sold him to save face and not lose him out of contract. Inter could have just sort of sat back and actually seen if he was really determined to go six months later because they didn't really need him towards the end of last season. You know, well, and and Tom has told that they didn't really need him because he didn't bring anything to much really to, to Inter last year I think Inter did need him but Conte just couldn't find a way yeah, well, to work. They... If, if Massimiliano Allegri was Inter's coach 
Christian Eriksen will be one of the best players in Serie A. Yeah, well, okay. So I say Inter didn't need him, but that's in hindsight where they still got to a Europa League final and a point off Serie A because, you know, Conte didn't integrate him. But it's, it's just looked like, looked like one of those moves that is, has, hasn't fitted for any party, really. And, and nobody's going to come out, you know, Ericsson's not going to walk away from this and everybody's going to go, oh, that he was underutilised and all this because it hasn't felt like that. Because he's never, he's, never, he's never come off for his 20 minutes and dominated a game. You know? and, and usually players will do that. You'll see glimpses of that talent there. And I don't think we have. I don't think we've seen it. I, I agree that we haven't. But I, with the exception of maybe, was it in the Milan derby last season where he did quite well? He hit the crossbar or something and had a bit of an impact on the game. But I, I just can't look beyond Antonio Conte. And I don't know if I've spoken about this on this podcast. I've definitely been given the license to go off on him on other podcasts this season but he I, I cannot understand his thinking at Inter with so many things and to be quite frank I think Inter need rid of him and I think they'll be a better team with the current crop of players without him I think the only player who wouldn't be better under another coach is probably Romelu Lukaku I think everybody else's level would would increase under him, I think you've got to ask questions of the formation he's playing. The players he have don't necessarily suit his formation, but he insists on it. And he seems to have come away from what he was so good at with, with Juve and with Chelsea, which was making players play above themselves. Whereas now, I think it's gone the opposite way. Do you think yeah, he's trying do. to find 11 Victor Moseses? <laughs> yeah, which is what he, which, which is what he did at Chelsea. You know, obviously he brought him back in from the cold, and he was um, a vital part of that team that won the, that won the Premier League. And I, I can't remember if he did something similar with Marcus Alonso or whether he, he signed him there. But um, yeah, I just wondered if you feel like he, he he has to make every player a sort of project uh, to improve, which hasn't happened. Well, what's he doing, right? Because he signed. Alexander Kolarov to come in and play as a fallback and he plays him in a back three where he's never played before in his life. And we've definitely spoken about the whole Perisic situation, but look, we'll, we'll move on from this. We'll go to Atalanta. They drew two, no, they didn't score a goal. They drew nil-nil away in Cesena against Spezia. And it was one of those games where nil-nil doesn't, really tell the whole story because both teams probably should have scored Vito. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Diego Farias in particular had a good chance to score early on for Spezia and they had their other chances. But um, I think Spezia's man of the match was uh, the goalkeeper, Ivan Provedal. He made some superb saves and uh, probably if it wasn't for him and a little bit of wastefulness as well from Mario Pasolic, um I think um, this should have been another Atalanta victory. This this is something that I, I responded. Someone said on Twitter, actually, that Providell had a great game. And I found myself thinking, did he? Because I, I don't necessarily remember any outstanding saves he made. Pasolic scored should have scored twice. I, I don't think you can even credit the keeper with those saves because the efforts were so poor. Gossens 
had his goal that was ruled out for the offside, and then Zapata hit the post. But other than that, I, I don't remember Provadel having to do all that much. Uh, a bit like you, Connor. I don't recall him making any sort of really standout saves. But twice there were times when there was the one time that I really stood out for me. He almost met a cross on the edge of his box. He was really proactive of coming. Mm. You think if it misses, if it because it was missing the defender. If it made it to the attacker, it was you know I think they were one on one with the other defender with the right back, and he did that twice. And I thought, yeah, that was great goalkeeping from you know his positioning and being proactive with coming out for the ball. But yeah, I don't I don't recall any real standout saves. I'd I'd agree that his his positioning was good, and there were like you said a number of times, particularly in the first half, where Atalanta looked to be in, and then suddenly he was just there, almost at the halfway line, sweeping things up, which was quite impressive. Um. Everyone's losing their minds a little bit again about Atalanta, guys. Uh, apparently, there's a crisis or, or something. Well, I saw some uh, ridiculous tweet or two after the defeat to Liverpool a fortnight ago. And it's like, um, you know, talk about a knee-jerk reaction. And then I saw your thread, Connor, that... Uh, Atalanta have had these uh, horrible win uh, defeats. Uh, one in particular was in the first season of Gasparini, where Pioli was at Inter, and uh, the Nerazzurri had won 7-1. But uh, Gasparini didn't change his methods. He stuck to what he believed in. And um, Atalanta have continued to grow despite a setback like that. So uh, even with this uh, defeat to the Reds uh, in the Champions League... Uh, not always lost. And another big defeat was also to Manchester City last season and Dinamo Zagreb. So even with such heavy defeats, Atalanta was still able to get out of the group stage last season. So, um, yeah, I think it just goes to show that, you know, in this world, a lot of people, they'll just uh, look for something to either create a controversy. And if it's not that, it's just doing something for the sake of overreacting. I'll, I'll read some numbers to you, Kevin, and then ask your thoughts. But this is um, notorious slow starters at Atalanta. This is their second best start to a season since Gasparini took over. In 16-17, they had 10 points at this stage, finished fourth. 17-18, they had nine points, finished seventh. 18-19, they had six points, finished third. The following season, they had 17 points, finished third again. And this season, they have... 14 points so is the crisis talk a little bit overblown considering two of the bad games were against Napoli and Liverpool yes absolutely and the statistics bear that out and show that they're probably still on that um, or riding that crest of a wave that they've had maybe for the last uh, 18 months to two years yeah okay thank you I just needed um, you guys to basically reinforce what I already thought and new. Lazio opened the weekend away at Crotone where the weather was not very Italian. I mean, it was a combination of water polo and football and everything just rolled into one. And Kev, you got to give Lazio credit for getting the win in those conditions. Yeah, it, it cleared up a little in the second half. but it <laughs> For was, a bit. It, yeah, only for a bit. It was one of those games where uh, you, you watched with a permanent smile on your face because if you played any sort of football in those conditions, you know, you, you, you'd love sort of coming in home, 
dripping in your kit and everybody came out in fresh, in fresh kit at half time. But um, it probably it was the, the goal from Immobile to give them a, the lead was, was beautiful, particularly from the cam, camera angle, but also slightly forced upon you that you have to then play so many of your balls in the air knowing that they've not got until Casado comes on anybody with real sort of physical height and Immobile just had that leap and uh, and sort of goes in almost with that trail of water following the ball um, but yeah it was you know hard for um, a little disappointing that neither of you picked up on my uh, Pepe Reina joke with an A instead of an E in his name that still sits in there unliked and unretweeted on Twitter. Deliberate uh, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I to to to, to move away. Oh no, go on. Just I was going to move away from Lazio, but you carry on. Did it remind we'll you to... of a game that that one? Oh uh, yeah, wow. Well, yes, it reminded <laughs> me. Well, oddly, they played each other this weekend, but that. Uh, that game last year when me and you met in Turin uh, and into a play in Torino when uh, we were wading through shin, shin high uh, puddles. Um, it, there was a point where the water was actually up to our ankles, probably on the street. That yeah. was, I think, I, I was chatting about this and I, I think it's the worst weather I've ever had at a game that I've been reporting on. And we were only saved by temporarily, might I add, by the, the post-match pizza across from the stadium because shortly after that, we had to endure the conditions again and you had to endure some, some um, something odd in the streets yeah. of Turin. Do oh. you, to, to, to go back to this week's game, if you don't mind, do you not think that the conditions on Saturday <laughs> for Lazio were worse than that? Because the ball did on occasion roll in Turin nearly 14 months ago. Whereas I was extremely surprised that not necessarily that the game didn't get so, so like postponed, but they didn't call a halt to it even to see if the rain would relent because it was ridiculous at stages. I think it was as bad, to be honest. That There was not, not much in it either way, to be honest. And I, I remember going crazy last year in Turin saying, this game should not be happening. It's, it's not possible. And to be honest with you, I, I have a feeling that any other season, this, the game on Saturday might not have gone ahead. But because everything's already a little bit backed up, they were just like, nah, get it done. Just, just play. Just play. Don't tackle each other, but just play. Because where do you fit in another game between now and, well, whenever the first round of sorry, fixtures ends and I don't know when it's going to be this year. Who knows? There you go. Um, next up, I don't know what's left to talk about. Vito, I'm sorry. Sampdoria lost against Bologna at home despite taking a 1-0 lead. Uh, Vasco Reggini scored an own goal. And then Riccardo Orsolini. Hang on, Vasco Reggini? Mm, yeah. Yeah, after Tommaso Gello got sent off against uh, Cagliari, uh, Reggini got back into the starting lineup and... He scored the own goal, and uh, I'd blame him for Orsolini getting the win as well. So we're still stuck with him. Do you know what? I hadn't realised he had returned there, but I'm very happy he has because it means I don't have to watch him in Parma anymore because he <laughs> came on last season. And as soon as he walked onto the pitch, it was in that game against Inter. Parma had played their best game of the season 
other than the the Torino or the win over Roma. And Vasco Regini came on and it all went to pot and they they lost two one. So um, enjoy that. We won't make you suffer through any more Sampdoria chat this week, though. Don't you worry too much. Um, do we need to talk about the other games? What other games were there? Oh, Fiorentina lost. I mean, it's not the best start to Cesare Prandelli's reign. Uh, Kev, do you want to talk about something before we move on to Fiorentina Benevento? No, because it, 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 well, I did, but it, this comes, this comes um, with something to do with that. So I, I, I watched um, Benevento defeat Fiorentina and it went on the back of watching, although they lost Lazio, uh, Crotone and, and Spezia playing Atalanta. And I've probably mentioned this before, to be honest, I might be repeating myself, but just how refreshing, mm. not necessarily how they're performing, because Crotone uh, got two points in their bottom of the table, <laughs> but the, the approach that they've had to the games, you know, and again, I'm probably going back to how even the league looks at times, but certainly when you're just sitting there watching two teams over 90 minutes, where not getting any real one-sided games and we're not getting any sides. I don't think, I can't recall a side that's gone out and tried to defend for its life um, this this year. Um, are, are you joking? Well, my memory, and now I'm 39, you know. <laughs> you, you're forgetting about our best friends over in, um, in Udine. Yeah, okay. Um Possibly, but not enough, and particularly from the particularly from, from newly promoted sides. Um, I just think I don't know. I just maybe I was in a really good mood this weekend, but after watching almost those games back to back, it was Crotone first, then Spezia, and then first thing uh, this afternoon Benevento. It just could put me in a really good mood that, that we've got that approach from the newly promoted teams. No, I, I do think you're right, and the fact that I was so easily able to mention. Um, Udinese shows that there aren't many other teams if one sprung to mind so quickly. But uh, yeah, Fiorentina's start not off to the Fiorentina's. What am I trying to say? Fiorentina's Prandelli era yeah. not off to the best start. The, the words were there, just not in the correct order or anything resembling it. <laughs> um, Udinese beat Genoa one 0 as well. But I'm sorry, Vito, we're not going to talk about it because we're already on. 59 minutes and we do of course have to sign off in usual fashion with the game with no name and that nobody likes but here we are and i don't know who won last time vito probably no no it was kev actually well no it wasn't was it yeah it was with uh ricardo rodriguez ricardo rodriguez yeah so what's the score three three one uh two two one no, three, uh, three, 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 one, surely. Yeah, three, okay. three, one. Okay, three, wow. three, one. Right, well, um, so Kev, you know the rules. You're up first. Yeah, uh, you know what? This gives me the opportunity for, don't what you? What do I need to do? I need to set a timer for how long, did we say? Two minutes? Uh, two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes, I think it was. We're, we're doing two and a half minutes anyway. Uh, Kev, don't I mean, do it. Don't do it, Kev. Uh, you're two minutes to start <laughs> now. Is it Bruno Alba? No, Vito, it's your go. <laughs> All right. Is it an Italian player? He's not Italian. Uh, do they play in central Italy or in Rome? That's what I'm going for. They don't Rome, play in sorry. Rome, no. Oh. Okay. okay. Uh, 
Do they play for Fiorentina? They do not play for Fiorentina. Why are we already going for clubs? I don't know. Um, oh, now at the geography mumbo jumbo. Do they play in or um, in, in southern Italy, Connor? No, they don't. Okay. All right. Do they ca- play for a club in Emilia Romagna? They do play for an uh, Emilia Romagna club. Do they play for Parma? They do play for Parma. What? Okay. It's not very That's exactly that. Ooh, next question. Okay, is this player a midfielder? The player is a midfielder. I didn't think we were going to get to Parma, to be honest, but we're there. It's a foreign midfielder who plays for Parma. All right, is it Yuri Kutska? It's not Yuri Kutska. Uh, oh, is it Hernani? It's not Hernani. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure on our dears. Okay, it's not Hernani, it's Gaston Brugman. It's not Gaston Brugman. Oh, God, I didn't even watch them this weekend, apart from the highlights. <laughs> I did, no, I'll just feel while you're taking your time to think of players, but I, I did know that if we got to Parma, this midfielder wouldn't be top of the foreign Parma players, and I knew Brugman, Hernani and Kutska would come out before this one. You've got 45 seconds left, guys. Okay, I'm just going to say, no, 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 I can't say it because we're not classing him as a midfielder. Uh, It's it's not him. You've got 30 seconds left. Kev, you're going to need to say a player's name or pass over. Oh, I'll pass, go and pass. I'm tempted to throw the towel too. I'm honestly stumped. And uh, Padma brought in. Uh, they weren't exactly household names. So. There's a lot of foreign midfielders that they brought in, but there were also other foreign midfielders already at the club. You've got nine seconds left. Uh, Ex Sassuolo, Fiorentina, Spal. Time is up. Ex Yasmin Kortic. The time is past. It is uh, I had K. I have K in my head, and I just couldn't think of the the, the name. Guys, I've got another point. And well to be honest with you, I'm I'm happy with this point because I picked this player thinking he might get me a point. So the it's getting interesting now. Kev's on three, Vito's on three, and I am on two. I'm not I'm not sure if morally you should be picking a player that will get you a point. What? <laughs> I think because that's his incentive we, we, for us to hurry up. Yeah, but I think we've got two and a half minutes to to find out who this player is. You have a whole week to choose a player that is going to get you a point. Yeah, because <laughs> do you do you really think you? I'll promise you this: you spend longer thinking about who this player is than I do. Because what I do is, when you're talking about some game that I'm not interested in, I just start clicking through the Serie A clubs to find a player. I know we've, I know this, this, I hope this is, oh, I think this is signified that we've officially uh, finished the pod. We've not stopped I, recording yet, so I don't know no, what no, you're going to say is. No, no, so it's because I, I, I kind of went into this thinking that we might speak about Luis Alberto. And that maybe that was that you, who you might choose, which is why I asked if they play in Rome, because that was going to be because he's been much publicised. And can we before we finish? Yes. Can we have a chat about that? Because I'm fully on board with what Luis Alberto is going about this week. So so am I. <laughs> I think it was 
well within his is his um his rights to question why someone is paying was it 1.2 million out on a new jet when players have been asked to take a pay cut not not you know uh, probably from very well certainly higher salaries than any of us uh taking our uh sort Speak of for yourself. income <laughs> well you're doing very well uh, <laughs> mr clancy but also, it, 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 I think it annoyed me more that then, and tell me if I'm wrong, but did not uh, Simone Inzaghi say that he was better off not ruining his talent with what he, you know, what he, you know, comments off the pitch. Uh, I didn't and then, see he, that. then he came out. Yeah, and then he came out and uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was a, it was a dodgy translation from the post-match. Um, press conference against Crotone but then obviously he was also sort of shouted down by various other people and I just thought why and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone and done an Instagram story apologizing he's an extremely talented player who is possibly at the top of his game at the moment and you know all the as I see it the cards are in his hands not the clubs really Mm. for him to dig his heels in yeah, I'd agree. And I even saw some people on Twitter kind of saying, oh, he shouldn't be saying things like this. And it just, it did seem a bit strange because he was, I don't think there's any debate in this. He was absolutely correct in the point mm-hmm. he was making. Why are you spending that money on a jet when you've asked your players to take pay cuts? And even if you've got that excess money, do something better with it, with it than, than buy a jet, particularly at this time. It just, it doesn't look bad, but I mean, this, you, you you only have to look at who the club president is at the blue half of the Stadio Olimpico. And I don't think any more needs to be said than that. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening. It's been lovely. I'm a bit chipper now that I've got another point on the board. And I'm going to start my week-long tactical plot to, to beat Kev Pogzielski and Vitoria again next week. Um. Kev Pugzelski, say goodbye. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Vito Doria, say ciao. Ciao. And it's ciao from me. We'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye.
Sassuolo ci crede e nessuno potrà toglierci la grinta per puntare più in là. Nero sarà il cielo che vedrete voi dopo aver provato tutto contro di noi. Verde la speranza di restare su perché se il gioco è duro noi colpiamo di più. Nero Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.